Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I've battled breast cancer five times in the last 23 years, and I'm getting kind of tired of it, Sharon, i got to say. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also a motivational speaker, a speaker mentor, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And just before Sharon introduces herself, I just wanted to say my book has been approved for an audio um, distribution, and it's headed to retail, and it should be coming out very soon on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. So Yay. there's my there's my my selfless plug. There. That's okay. <laughs> you deserve that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm Sharon Hennepin. I'm a 25 year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. All also available on Amazon. <laughs> Good. And, and Becky and I are the co-founders of Breast Friends. And, you know, we have a really interesting topic today, but before we get into the topic specifically, I had something that's really been on my heart lately, and I think it really ties in with our message today, and that is on the power of touch. And, you know, when when you go through life, there are so many stressful things that just, you know, they they can just really lead you into some dark and gloomy places at times, And, and there's something magical about the power of touch. And my, my son, um, our youngest son, Micah, introduced us to this concept some time back about the 15-second hug, which we've now turned into an 18-second hug. But um, <laughs> one, once a day, my husband and I do a, we do this long hug where we just really kind of just wrap our arms around each other and just feel that tenderness and that love. And, and it's just, it's just that that feeling of, of being touched. And my husband reminded me today that, you know, when, when babies are born and they're in the hospital and they're, you know, preemies particularly, there are, they have volunteers come in and just touch babies and hold them because they know there's just so much. I don't know the science behind it, so I'm not going to pretend like I do, but um, there's just so much magic about, about touch and, and just the calming factor it can have on people. So when you're going through really dark times, don't use that opportunity to withdraw. Use that opportunity to, what's that little commercial, reach out and touch someone. Yeah. Oh, boy, that ages us, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but it, it's really magical. And just before we went live on the air, my husband came into, into the studio, wrapped his arms around me, and gave me, couldn't quite do 15 seconds. But I felt it, and I felt the love, and I felt the caring. And it's just, it's such a wonderful, magical thing. So, Thank you. Well, with that, that. <laughs> Thank absolutely. You. So we do, as I mentioned, we have a very interesting, interesting topic today, and this was something I had never heard about until we connected with this guest. We're going to talk about biohacking, and I mean, I'd never even heard that term before. So our guest today is Mary Jo Campbell. After nearly 25 years in a nonprofit family ministry, Mary Jo's job was as a family help specialist. Her position was eliminated, and rather than pursue another desk job, she explored entrepreneurial, that's a tough word, pursuits that would combine her compassion for people with her passion for health and fitness. She was introduced to biohacking and uses a variety of approaches to help people be the best version of themselves. So welcome, Mary Jo. We're so glad to have you on our show today. 
Thank you both. It's a privilege to be here. Well, why don't you take a second and introduce yourself to our audience. Just tell them, like, where do you live? What's your family? What do you do for fun? Just just to get to know you for a minute. Great. Thank you. Um, I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, so I look out my window at Pikes Peak every day, unless there's a storm coming in. And so a beautiful setting and a lot of nature, a lot of opportunities. Um, my husband of almost 39 years, and I have been here for quite a while, and we have two adult children. And um, I personally have nine siblings that are throughout the country and have some um, relatives in the Portland area. So I kind of feel a connection there. And the, I think I love to take advantage of where we live with trail running, hiking, getting together with friends and exploring canyons and mountains and rivers and creeks. And um, just being out in nature really restores my soul. Well, you sure live in the right part of the country for all that. We do. We're very blessed here. Mary Jo, I have to tell you, my husband and I will be married 39 years in May. So uh, we have that in common, too. That's awesome. And we're in June. (laughs) We're May. We were were married the day before Mount St. Helens blew up. Oh, you'll never forget that, will you? I know. We won't. And people blame us all the time for that act on the mountain there. (laughs) Well, listen, let's get right into the show because I know, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. And this is such an interesting topic. But so you're a survivor of anal cancer. That's correct. And and you've been open about that. Um, Why don't you talk about what that was like when you first got your diagnosis and just give us a little little bit on that. Well, as most of you, it was probably a surprise getting any kind of call that says your tests reveal, you know, cancer. That's just not a word you ever imagine coming into your world or having on your resume. And we were actually rather new empty nesters and we're thinking about relocating, maybe downsizing, just changing our environment. And um, I had um, recently gone in for a colonoscopy because of my father's colon cancer. And so I got screened early and I didn't think anything of it. All of us did that. And I got the phone call that my test came back showing a tumor and it just stopped me dead in my tracks, literally. And couldn't imagine I had no symptoms. I had no clue anything was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that just commenced um, a very aggressive treatment. My treatment was short but intense. So six weeks of radiation and chemotherapy. Oh, boy. Wow. And so that diagnosis, I mean, how long ago was that? Um, It was just 13 years ago. I I got the news on April 4th. Um, and then I started my treatment May 1. So I'm right in that memorable season right now. Yeah, I bet you are. Yep. Yeah, I get that. Um, so was that what led you to your interest in biohacking or was it? I think it was a later? wake-up call. I had always considered myself a very healthy person, even health nut, granola head, whatever we called <laughs> each other back then. I was always studying, how do you live long and have vitality and, and what can you do to change your diet? I was experimenting even as a teenager. And so I was always kind of a nerd that way. But this diagnosis kind of made me stop and go, okay, apparently that's not enough. And exercising and doing the things that I had read that contributed to good health uh, were not enough to keep these bad cells from growing. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't heard that word either. I had been very familiar with supplements. So I would try various things and feel like, oh, if I'm getting a cold, I need to take more vitamin C, that sort of thing, but which most people do. 
And so I think that piqued my interest was, wow, I wonder if this is really what is a better way to approach your health with biohacking or changing your own biology. That's fascinating. Yeah. 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 I can, I can imagine just um, being one of those healthy people who's been, um, you know, careful about what you've eat, eaten in all those years. And then it's almost like your body betrays you when you're Absolutely. diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So biohacking. So t- tell us what it is, actually, because it is an interesting word. Yes. And when people hear the word hacking or hacker, we think immediately of negative things that can happen to your bank account or your privacy and anybody that hacks into something whether it's the security of your home or whatever, that is never usually a good thing. But with biohacking, we're talking about hacking into our own biology by choices that we make. And so it's using science, nutrition, better choices, some proactive things to kind of hack what, what you have going on in your body. And some of us do that without even knowing it. And so sometimes we'll just say, okay, I'm going to try and maybe you want to drop two pounds. So you're going to skip desserts. That's kind of a a simple way of biohacking or counting your steps, putting on a Fitbit and say, okay, I'm going to try to get more active every day. So little things like that are at the very basic end of of biohacking. So So a lot of us do it anyway. We just don't really think about it. Yeah, it's not like we're out to biohack whatever but yeah that makes sense so how are our bodies being hijacked every day by our environment and the food we eat and things like that well some of them we know obviously if somebody lives close to something that's in the environment that's hazardous we know that sometimes things get into the air and we can breathe things we can drink things we can eat things that are of a toxic nature whether we know it or not And so we're constantly being bombarded by um, influences that are a kind of attack our body. And there's a statistic that there are um, every day our body is exposed to six sextillion free radicals. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a big number. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if it's 30 some odd zeros or something. So that's a lot of attack coming into our body from um, either choices that we've made or things that are just happening around us. And so lot, the word today now is oxidative stress. So we are exposed to oxidative stress. Oxygen is part of that word. So breathing creates oxidative stress. So if you're living, you're creating oxidative stress. And is that because of this, what's in, I mean, things in the air or, I mean, just. Well, the act of breathing, oxygen converts to a free radical in our cells And so if you're an athlete and you're breathing hard and long, you're going to create more oxidative stress because of uh, the damage that you're doing to your body. And those are natural kind of things that happen to us, not to mention weed killers or yard chemicals, junk food, antibiotics, medications, all of that can um, add up to what's in our body. But literally just breathing will create some oxidative stress in your body. It just sounds so bad and you know you need it. Is there is there anything that's good for us anymore? I mean, you can't breathe now without causing stress. You know, I mean, not breathing certainly causes stress. I well, know. And the, and the almighty sugar, right? I know. Oh, that's, that's 
that's a top one. It's it's my kryptonite. It's what I struggle with every day. I always have had a sweet tooth, and I know it's uh, it's been said that it's more addicting, addictive than cocaine or even um, what do they give people? It's a real heavy medication um, that is for pain, oh, and so no, it's like. Um, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's morphine. Yeah. Sugar is more addictive than morphine or caffeine or um, cocaine. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And so um, I've heard the term toxic load, but why don't you explain that and see, you know, what we can come out of that and how maybe we can minimize it. Right. And that is kind of a combination of what's in your environment and what is in what you can be in charge of. And it's just an accumulation of toxins in our bodies. And, and that can come from your water. It can come from all the things we mentioned. It can come from maybe beauty products that have a lot of chemicals, your shampoo. Um, You can always swap things out and look for cleaner products, use more natural things to clean your house with. So you're not breathing fumes. And I think Um, we're in a good time where you can even pick up some of those things at your local grocery store or, you know, Target or something like that. So you can start to make a switch to better options. And so I think you can reduce your toxic load because there's some things obviously like breathing that you can't stop. But if you can control some of the input, then maybe you can have a better handle on your output, your energy, the the things that help you tick a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you a question on those, um, camp, the cle- like we're talking about cleaning products and things. Is there a certain thing that we should look for that would be the, I mean, if we could avoid one or two ingredients, what would those, the top two be, do you think? I you hear a- one is called phthalates and it's spelled like P-T-H-A something. And if you look up toxic cleaners, there's quite a list of chemicals that are in things we wash our clothes with or shampoo with or wash our hands with, hand sanitizers, some of of those things. There's also an app you can get on your phone called Think Dirty. Now, not (laughs) in the way you would think initially, but they're talking about dirty products that are not only toxic for your body, but Mm -hmm. toxic for the environment. So if you want to know whether or not your makeup or your things that you use as beauty products are clean. It's not a, an exhaustive list, but you can download that free app and start typing in, okay, where does this rate and can I get something better? Mm-hmm. So you can gradually replace things. Now, those are small things, but they all add up. And if you're yeah. looking for lots of ways to impact your, your biology and biohack, there it's, it's just a realm to consider. Oh, that's really, that's interesting. So thank you. Yeah, sure. definitely. And and how is what we put into our bodies impacting what we get out of our bodies? Well, I think the easiest thing is to think of nutrition as so, oh, something that can change everything. You think about people that maybe had an allergy, didn't know they shouldn't process gluten, and they go gluten-free, and suddenly they feel so much better. Sometimes there's a, a dairy allergy or something else. And so putting changing what you put in can definitely change the outcome um, just based on even less processed food. If you're, I like to think of my body, if it were a vehicle, 
what would I put in it for fuel? If I was driving a Maserati, would I stop at 7-Eleven for their lowest grade gas? And so if you think about your body as fueling and being a good steward, then you're going to want to put in good nutrient whole foods that give you the satisfaction of um, just the nutrition that you need. And, and across the spectrum, it's not a special diet because all of us have a little bit different biology. Interesting. Yeah. And what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for everybody. That's what you're saying, right? Correct. We have a very uh, a neat opportunity now to customize or personalize our needs with diet, exercise. And I think there's specialists that can take your blood work and analyze your biology to say, okay, you should probably never do this product or that or this type of exercise. And so I think there are um, specialists that can train you for that. But it's good to know that you are in charge of experimenting with those things. And um, a lot of those can impact your, your DNA or your genetics by what you put in and what you get out. Okay. You know, you said something interesting um, about gluten. You kind of slipped that in there. And a lot of people, you know, you hear about a lot of people being gluten-free and there's a lot of gluten-free foods out there. And, you know, it's interesting. My doctor, my previous oncologist had suggested that I go gluten-free for a while, not because I'm celiac and have a serious problem, but just because it might relieve some of the symptoms I was having. I think it helped a little bit in some areas, but I got to tell you, Mary Jo, I missed bread too much. <laughs> right. And I guess yeah. there's a small percentage that are really intolerant. Yeah. And so some choose it because they believe wheat products or things with gluten gives them an inflammatory response in their body. And mm-hmm. so if you're really tuned in, but a lot of times it's kind of like, just don't make that the primary part of your diet. Right. There are good grains that are beneficial to our health. And some of them, you know, maybe it's the form you're taking things in or the quantity. Right. So I think it's it's good to experiment. And, and some people do that and they, they find out they didn't really drastically change a lot there. So it, it falls in the area of moderation. Yeah, All it makes right. sense. Well, it's a good first segment. Sharon, did you have something you wanted to ask before we got to break? Because it's no, time. No, we'll, we'll okay. go ahead and go to break and then I'll ask that on. The- okay, wonderful. All right, well, stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about biohacking with our guest, Mary Jo Campbell. And uh, uh, I just wanted to ask you, I've heard this term, nutrigenomics. Tell me yeah. a little bit about the science of that. Yes, it's kind of an evolving or developing area of science. And it's it describes what the word sounds like. Nutra is nutrition or nutritious substances. And genomics can be your genome. And so our genes are what make up our entire DNA. So you can use nutrition to impact your DNA. And that's kind of a a new concept because it always sounds like kind of a out there science that people who study DNA or you can get your DNA done to check your ancestry. And so it's an interesting way that the common person can use the science now without needing medical intervention or any um, special things, I guess. Mm, Okay, good. And so let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about how just stress in general contribute to our poor health. That is something we all deal with. It doesn't matter where you live or what you do for a living. And I think we can all agree that stress puts our body in kind of an overactive state. And sometimes that's good because if, you get, if you're getting ready to do something, fight or flight, you need that extra burst of endorphins or whatever to get you out the door, or take care of something that's uh, you know a quick emergency or something. But if you stay in that state for a length of time, that can lead to kind of a degradation in your health, whether it's poor sleep. And then if you don't get much sleep, then your immune system is low. If you travel and you're exposed to a lot of different air and water and foods, that can reduce your immunity and you can get sick more often when your life is very stressful. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to more stress, right? Right, right. And long term, that can um, lead to a disease if it's an extended thing. Um, I've heard of people who've had mono or something, and then it can lead to them developing some type of autoimmune disease. And so I think you have to be really mindful of when your body is really under a great deal of attack or stress to use some good self-care and monitor what is going on and do what you can to kind of keep that from taking over. And so when I think of stress, I also think of worry, would yes. You, would you put worry in that same category? Yes. And at that, in fact, I just heard somebody say it's negative meditation when you're worrying a lot. Negative. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like and that. So yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't change anything. And sometimes I think you just have to 
take some of those things that you seem to be obsessing on and rehearsing in your brain and either flip it to something positive. Okay, what can I learn through this? What can I, is is it out of my hands? Are there things that I can do? Is it something that you're supposed to pray for? Is it somebody you're supposed to call? Are there little things you can do to help surrender what's out of your hands? Kind of just taking responsibility for what you alone can do. Right, right. And that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the power of prayer. I I mean, I know, I know I believe wholeheartedly in the power of prayer. It can do what it does wonders. And so let me ask you one other question on that before we get off that subject. Um, So when you think about stress and the ailments it can cause, you know, the internal things, the stomach problems and all of, you know, headaches and all of that. What about physical impact? Like, um, plantar fasciitis and knee problems and can stress add to those problems or is it is that just a completely separate arm of I think we're integrated and what might be flare up for one person might not for another and all of those things are inflammatory in your body I've had plantar fasciitis but I knew it was caused from a heavy backpack trip with 30 pounds on my back Uh so it was temporary it wasn't ongoing with poor fitting shoes or bad cushioning or bad form in my walking or my gait, but our bodies show up in a different, a variety of ways. Some people, the minute they start to feel like they're coming down with something, it goes into their throat or they break out in a cold sore Mm. or maybe their wrists or some arthritic thing seems to flare up, but things we eat can cause those same things. So I think it's, you can't really make it too specific because there's so multi, many multifaceted things that impact us in different ways. Okay, thanks. I just wanted to ask that real quick. So thank you for. Yeah, thank you. So what are the things people can do to biohack their own bodies and have more energy, for instance? Well, I always have to tell people moving is probably going to be one of the best things. Um, I think we're a sedentary society and simply walking around the block, if that's all you can do, or stand up and jump around, touch your toes, do some torso twists, get some oxygen going to your brain, stay hydrated. Amazing things happen when our, our brains are a lot of our brain activity is water based, it's electrical. So you can feel more focused if you're well hydrated. Sometimes we get into cycles of we're hungry or hangry and we reach for something (laughs) quick and sweet and carbohydrate. But if we can throw some protein in there, it can help our blood sugar stay a little more um, neutralized without spiking because then you get into kind of those crazy cycles. Mm -hmm. So those are just a few things that can help people when they feel they're drifting and they're needing a nap to Um, boost their energy. And of course, moderation with caffeine and things like that are completely fine if you tolerate that well without overdoing it. Right, right. And how about our sleep? I know, you know, a lot of people have trouble sleeping. Can we biohack our sleep? Yes. And there's there's lots of articles and, and things out there there's even people, they, they call it sleep hygiene. What is your sleep hygiene? What does your bedroom look like? Is it cool? Is it dark? Do you remove electronics? Do you unplug things in that room? What if you're easily, if your hearing is supersonic, maybe putting an earplug in so you don't hear every little, you know, wind blow outdoors. 
Um, you can um, biohack a little bit with some melatonin at night to kind of, if you, your, our bodies produce melatonin, but sometimes a little boost in that can help you fall asleep longer and get into that deeper um, REM sleep that really restores us and helps us to be our best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've yeah. been hearing a lot about people who, um, you know, if you're looking at your screen, your smartphone, before you go to bed, it's harder to get to sleep. You're just staring at that little screen for a while. What, what is that doing to us when we're looking at it? Why is that causing so I much trouble? There, there's, some, there's some studies out there with blue light that is emanating off the screen. And mm-hmm. we're also kind of addicted to responses on our phone or mm. scroll hole if we're scanning for a bunch of things just to kind of seeking stimulation. And if you put those things down and, and read, um, even Kindles, I don't know if Kindles give off any blue light, but if you go to bed with a book or a magazine or something hard copy to wind down and take your brain to a calmer place so that you're not hearing something, especially if you watch TV right before you fall asleep. A lot of what we see is is not calming or soothing. It's very high, you know, the screen flickers a lot. There's a lot of things, you know, the, the rays that are coming out of there, EMFs, I think it's called. And so I would be, you know, be aware of that and see if you can change some of those things as you know you're winding off to sleep so you don't close your eyes and then just feel like you're super alert. Yeah. And I know if I drink too much tea or coffee if with caffeine later in the afternoon, that can impact it. And if I haven't exercised and I haven't worked out some of my stress in the day, that's going to impact how well I sleep. Okay. Wow. There's a Very lot of good. factors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of One of the things that my husband and I do now, we charge our phones downstairs when we go to bed at night. We plug them in in the kitchen. and Because otherwise, you're even if you put them on silent, you still hear that little bzz, you know, whenever somebody sends you a message. And, oh, my gosh, you're just so tuned into all that. You just, oh, I must, must look right now. So uh, yes. that's, that's been helpful. So let me, I know we kind of talked about food and the role it plays in biohacking. Uh, I know that there's probably more to say about that. And especially sugar. Can we go back to the sugar thing? Because... We talked about how bad it is, but we didn't really talk about how bad it is. So, right. Um, can you talk any more on that? Because that's one of my weaknesses, too. Yes. I think you have to look at it as not as it's a poison, but something that sometimes it's a little, I mean, natu- there's a difference between having plain old white sugar and using things with natural sweeteners. When in, in a lot of my baking, I'll use dates as a sweetener or honey or maple syrup. And those have a lower glycemic index along mm-hmm. with coconut sugar. So they go into your body a little slower, whereas white sugar is kind of a rush. It goes right into your blood system. It's readily available, but it can spike your insulin. And so if you do crave something sweet, maybe try an apple dipped in peanut butter and honey and Mm -hmm. just choose some options where it's not simple carbohydrates because plain old white flour goes into your system. And I think it's processed very similar to sugar. There's very little complexity to it. So if you're going to have some type of carbohydrate, make sure it's something with other grains in it, maybe some oatmeal or something that slows down the sweetener. And because sugar is an inflammatory thing, and I have never done, uh, not in a long time, I, I have done fasting to kind of reset my my body. But if you can just stay, see how your body feels staying away from sugar, but I guarantee it's going to be like withdrawals. You're going, yeah. those cravings grow. And people say, 
even if they get clean for a while and they haven't had sugar, the minute they start to take, taste something even a little bit sweet, it can trigger those things. So I don't want to tell us we're all addicts <laughs> or anything. But but. Kind of <laughs> yeah. I'm talking yeah. to myself there, It's but it's a difficult habit to break. And so you have to think about it as, okay, I, I, there's a statistic that a teaspoon of sugar can kind of hijack your immune system for an hour. And so you think about that, okay, if I'm traveling, I probably don't want to further challenge my immune system. Let's keep that optimal so that everything that comes at you isn't something you're going to catch. Obviously, if you go through chemo radiation, they're very careful about your white cell count, but we don't test that every day on ourselves. And we often don't know when we're susceptible. But if you are aware of things that can compromise that, then you can be proactive and making better choices so that you're going to get nutrition, you're going to get that satisfied, because usually it's a temporary craving. And it can be somewhat emotional too. where, oh, my gosh, I just want to eat a whole pack of licorice or down a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's or something. So check your triggers. Were you right. at the grocery store with me last yeah. night? <laughs> I just bought a box of Good and Plenty's. I love those, and they were only a dollar for a big giant box. So, so I have to make sure if I eat them that it's very slow. <laughs> put, them the, put them in the freezer. So there you, you go. Kind of like wait. Really a work bit. at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you said eat slow. That's another thing. Sometimes we eat so fast, our our bodies can't tell us we're full because we haven't slowed down enough to let that brain um, kick in. That leptin is kind of a, a, a part of our chemistry that kicks in that says, oh, I'm stuffed. I can't eat another bite. And some people, that leptin resistance is kind of broken. And it, it is something just to look into if it's something that someone struggles with. It was something new that I learned. And so interesting that no matter if you start to investigate things, you learn all sorts of things. And so I know a little bit about a lot, but I'm not an expert in anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. But again, it, it will just kind of wet your whistle a little bit to do some more research. And I think that's what, what we're doing here today on the radio. So I appreciate that very much. So how um, does a healthy gut contribute to healthy brain? Yeah, I'd love to know that. Yeah. And, oh. and, and what can we do to make that happen? Gut health is so important, and thankfully, there is a great response on behalf of, I would say, the natural medicine route to emphasize that. Even my Costco magazine has things on gut health, and essentially, what we're learning is your gut is made up with a ton of bacteria, like up two to five pounds in your gut is bacteria, and those things have all the healthy enzymes that break down your food, help you absorb the nutrients that you're taking in, and your gut is where your brain chemicals like serotonin are made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there's a gut-brain axis. And so you're, sometimes you think about when you're fearful of something and you get butterflies in your stomach, that's your gut and your brain communicating. Oh, so that's a real, that's a real thing then. <laughs> a gut feeling is a real thing. When you have a wow. nervous feeling about something, your gut is communicating to you and you can enhance that gut brain communication by doing things that provide for good microbiome. So the microbiome is kind of, if you think of your gut as a garden 
it needs fertilizer and it needs nutrients to build this good microbiome. And the stronger your microbiome, the more brain communication you have. And they have even found in neurodegenerative diseases, whether it's MS or um, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, a healthy gut can contribute to some of those elements because those are brain-based degenerations. So that's something that's been of interest to me, not only because my cancer radiated my whole gut and I had to rebuild that, but also I have dementia in my history. So I'm very aware of things in my gut that can impact my brain health in general. So what's the one, if you had to pick one food to add to your diet to improve your gut health, what would that, I'm I'm good at changing one thing, I'm not good at changing (laughs) everything, but what's the one thing that could be added or eliminated to improve your gut health? I think uh, there's lots of talk of prebiotics and probiotics, Mm -hmm. and so some of those you might already be taking in, but the the problem is that they, they need to be replenished all the time. And so you're obviously looking to have things that are, I mean, there's yogurt products and um, kombucha, there's uh, marinated things, kimchi, some of those apple cider vinegar. I mean, I wouldn't, we take an apple cider vinegar shot in the morning, but it gives us the shivers and we dilute it with apple juice or something like that because I've read it helps regulate your blood sugar too. But um, the thing I would educate people on is that almost all of us could benefit from taking a probiotic to add extra enzymes to our gut. Because if you're on some medications or not eating your best, then your digestion is going to be off. And when your gut is healthy and things are moving appropriately and you're absorbing the right nutrients, your overall well-being is going to be greatly increased. That makes sense. It really does. Well, listen, we're going to go out to break. And I know there's a little more on this conversation that we'll pick up on the other side of the break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about biohacking with our guest, Mary Jo Campbell. And so I just wanted to ask, if I'm going to choose, you know, different foods that I want to make myself healthier, um, there are more nutrient-dense foods, right? So which ones are the best ones I can choose? Yes, and nutrient-dense just refers to foods that have the most nutrients and the least calories. So think of them as kind of your superfoods and that are going to benefit you the most. If you are looking for some of the good choices, there's a website that I found, and it's whfoods.org, and they break down every food group to show you which foods in nuts, legumes, grains, spices are the most beneficial to you. And again, your biology may or may not enjoy or process some of those, but it gives you an idea of the types of things you should probably be putting in your grocery cart to have more energy and get more nutrients in. Yeah. And I can imagine that um, that would be a helpful Um, list, especially if you're planning your grocery trip. And so if you're wanting to make some of these changes, that would be a great place to to look and kind of give yourself some ideas. I mean, I guess I think of like blueberries. That's like one one of those foods that (laughs) we need to be eating more of, right? Absolutely. Nobody disagrees about blueberries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They even taste good, you know? Yeah. 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 I've been I've been uh, reading this book about uh, eat to beat disease, which is kind of an interesting book too. It's pretty pretty technical, but um, I listened to it on Audible's and and it's been interesting as far as some of the same sort of things we're talking about here. So um, I might do a, a, a shout out for that too. So um, what about our moods? I think that's the thing that that is interesting to me too. Is what well, what can be done to bio our thoughts or negative emotions. That is very, um, I think, important because we can easily be, depending on kind of how we're wired, easily just kind of um, discouraged or you've mentioned before that obviously when your body isn't feeling well, you can feel like you're kind of on a downhill or a slippery slope and it doesn't always need to lead to depression or lethargy or inactivity, but your mood, if you can change your mood, you can almost change your body. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of science out there now on kind of biohacking your brain, which impacts your mood. And 
obviously, if your gut is healthy, then and if you're getting good chemicals into your brain, your mood is going to be improved. And that's something that I noticed when I started to activate a little bit more of the pathways in my body that my mood improved. And I wasn't expecting that I just had a more positive outlook about things and then being around positive people and trying to um, not realize, I think some of us, if we're women, we can be very empathetic and we can absorb the stress and um, things of other people. And in my previous job, I would hear very tragic crises oriented circumstances that could be so heart rendering. We'd cry with these people and try to be there for them on their best day, but then you can't carry that right. throughout the day. And I remember the counselors giving us a good picture that sometimes when things come to you, you're not the solution. You're a reservoir. You're not a reservoir. You're a river. So things flow through you. You're oh. not to hang on to them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind powerful. of a, a mind hack. Uh-huh. Yeah, like that's- you were brought through maybe to make a touch, maybe to help somebody, but don't let that take you down. Do what you can. Continue to pray for that situation if it comes to your mind, but realize ultimately you're not responsible and I think that can lighten your mood, realizing I don't have to carry. We sometimes carry more than we're designed to. Yeah, yes, I sense. love that. I, You know, I, right now I kind of feel bad for my husband because he's been so strong in my in this current battle that I'm in. And I just started phase two of my of my trial because phase one didn't have the impact we were hoping for. So we're working this harder now. And he's been there every step of the way. But I think sometimes he ends up internalizing this more and he needs to be the river and let it flow through him. And he's praying for me daily. And I am so thankful for that. But I just, this is, that was really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, shout out to all the caregivers out I there. Know. They oh, are yeah. kind of the unsung heroes because they as are. the patient, you get the attention from the medical staff. But often they're not the ones that are going to go and get support or exactly. um, have a close person to kind of vent with as well. Because they don't want to... Yeah. More stress you out more, so sometimes they absorb. I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me ask you about vitamin D because, you know, vitamin D is they say is kind of a mood enhancer. And you know, living in the Northwest, we don't have a, as much sun here as you might in other parts of the country. And I know my vitamin D levels are low unless I take a supplement. Do you find supplement vitamin D supplements helpful in in this mood part of your of your definitely definitely and I think anybody who has a has had a cancer diagnosis your d levels can run low even if you're outdoors our body and our skin doesn't absorb it as well after you get past a certain age so even if you do have sunny um, area that you live and you go for a walk and have your arms or something exposed for a while it's very hard for our skin to convert that after a while so I think d is one of the easiest things to supplement and it can be responsible for, gosh, is it hair, skin, nails, lots of different things. So it's just one of the many things that, first of all, it's tiny, it's easy to take, and it's inexpensive. Yeah. So why not? Yeah, and if you're exactly. getting blood, blood levels checked, they'll know whether or not your, your D levels are in a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. Thank you. Well, and since we're talking about supplementing, why don't we talk about explaining the difference between supplementing your body with vitamins and herbal products and activating your body through this um, nutrigenomics. 
Yes, that's that sounds been... complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, if you think about blueberries, since we mentioned that, blueberries are an antioxidant. So when we take them in, our antioxidants from food go after all those free radicals we talked about on a one-to-one basis. So one molecule of a blueberry goes after one free radical. So if you you can't eat enough blueberries to go after... I was going to say, that's a lot of <laughs> And so that's supplementing. So even if you're having fruits and vegetables and lots of things with antioxidants to go after that oxidative stress, it can't keep up. And I'm not saying that's the cause of cancer, but oxidative stress and cancer are very related. And I looked it up on a website that I trust, and there's over 2,900 studies linking oxidative stress and cancer. And that's huge. And it's probably a body of research that's growing So activating is when you're able to turn your own body systems enzymes on to start making your own antioxidants. So that's the new science. We don't have to take antioxidants. We can turn on systems like a flipping a switch for our bodies to start making them. And our bodies did do make them and they were most active in our growing season Um, zero to 20 years old. After 20, you start aging because you're no longer keeping up with the free radical damage. So that accumulates and that's what leads to aging and eventually disease. And so activating your body, there's two pathways that I've learned about, but it may not be all of them. And one of the primary ones is the NRF2 pathway. So it sounds like a Nerf gun, Nerf 2, Nerf (laughs) 1, but it's a chemical abbreviation for nuclear nuclear respiratory factor, but you don't have to remember that. NRF2, as its abbreviation, can be researched as well. And what that does is it talks to your genes and say, hey, get going. Let's make some more antioxidants. There's, There's trouble in the body here. We need to get to work cleaning things up. So think about it as activating your body puts more garbage men to work busily cleaning up the oxidative damage that we're in, you know, subjective to every day. I love that picture, Sharon. Then next time I go in for my treatment, I'm not going to picture the little army soldiers. I'm going to picture garbage men. The garbage. <laughs> well, I, have, I have this visualization technique that I use, Mary Jo, and my husband had to remind me to use it the other day because yeah, they were injecting like all this. Yeah, just, yeah, and but they're nano sized and they're in my bloodstream and they're just hauling off garbage. So I'm switching gears here because the treatment I'm on is an immune therapy treatment, so it is activating my immune system. But I think I need garbage haulers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And the the main thing is the ratio. So blueberries go after the anti or the free radicals one to one. Activating your system can turn on your own genes to go after them one to a million wow. every second. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So we literally can make some progress there. So that's uh-huh. what's really I think changed my outlook is, okay, now I've got the right things going on in my body, and I do feel half my age. So that's a bonus. So (laughs) I saw your picture. You look great. So (laughs) (laughs) clearly something's working. So I want to make sure I understand. So to go from a one-to-one ratio to this one-to-one million, what am I doing differently? 
you're taking an, an NRF2 activator, which literally turns on your gene expression and your antioxidant survival genes. And what so, is it? What is an NRF pathway well, there's some activator? Broccoli can be one, but okay. it's not all-encompassing. Right. And there's more than one out there. And they can be natural compounds that can work synergistically to turn this on. Mm-hmm. And if people want more specific information, they can reach me through my blog or okay. LinkedIn or something like that. I and just wanted to make sure I didn't miss something. So I'm right. like, okay. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, and you can do um, research on, I use um, pubmed.gov, which is the National Institute of Health, kind of a repository of research articles. So this is government funded research studies. And so pubmed.gov, put in the word NRF2 and whatever you want. It can be cancer, it can be something else and see the studies and read sometimes in kind of some medical lingo, but they occasionally will break it down for simple terms or NRF1 pathway. And that's a pathway that activates your genes that regulate cellular renewal and growth. So um, our energy comes from ATP and this helps your body to make more ATP. So think about turning on your engines for more energy and so your mitochondria and your DNA and all this is kind of sciencey, but NRF1 turns on that cellular energy. And most of our mitochondria are in our brain, our heart, and our muscles. So think about all of those getting a boost if you activate your NRF1 pathway. Nice. Okay. Well, we wow. are just about out of time. So let yep. me just real quickly. So the, the website you mentioned is is pubmed.gov. And then you'd mentioned an earlier one to me on a on a different conversation, scholar.google.com. What can yes. people find? What can they find there? Very well, if you, if you use Google for your searching, you're just finding searches instead of research. So if you want to find research, go to scholar.google.com. Oh, okay. And it will only pull up things that are factual, not okay. opinions, not, you oh, know. I love that. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that either. We all learned something just now. That's great. We've been learning all this whole hour. Well, Mary Jo, thank you so very much for being a guest on our show today. This was sure. this information is is really important for us to know. I will now understand when I hear the term biohacking. So it's like when when you first sent that to me that you're a biohacking entrepreneur, I'm thinking, a what? You know, I had no idea what it meant. So I expect really to hear we- more of it. I'm just yeah. honored to give you a glimpse into the the world that is kind of expanding and and being made available to us. Well, it's very exciting. So thank you for taking the time out of your schedule. So to all of our listeners out there, and we do have a really large global audience. We're so excited. Our show is growing. We had, I think, 20,000 on-demand listens last month, which is very exciting. Um, And if you love our show as we do, please consider making a donation in support of our show. You can go to breastfriends.org, and there's a big blue button at the top of the page that says Donate. Make a donation in any amount because um, we don't charge anybody to be a guest on our show. We would just love to have support, though, so we can pay for it. Anyway, um, also, if you need any information to help support a loved one, we have lots of resources on our site. So it's breastfriends.org. And we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. 
Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time. Thanks again for listening.